Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of Dorel Yosef, all the way from Australia. Uh, welcome, Dorel. Thank you very much, Julian. Nice to be with you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Your, it's your evening, it's my morning, uh, but it's great that we could connect uh, and talk today. I'm just going to tell our audience a little bit about you. Uh, you are the managing partner of Lavu uh, Global, along with being the CEO and board director of Cognition. Um, you've held se- several sort of senior executive roles within many consulting firms uh, like PwC. Um, you are the member of, of the Harvard Business Review Advisory Council, and you've worked in many countries, obviously Australia, USA, Europe, and the Middle East. And yes, uh, welcome today. And what I always ask all my guests, because um, I'm really nosy and a little bit curious, really, as being a coach, is to what, what, what do you love about uh, what you do? Um, first of all, I love what I do because I feel I do the stuff I'm passionate about within the bounds of my value system and contributing to the success of others, but um, wh- whether it's uh, an individual or a business as a whole. And so I switch between being a, a teacher uh, of leadership, a strategist, a mentor, an entrepreneur, which leads me to impact one individual talent or a business, as I said, as a whole. So I'm passionate about helping others to achieve their, their goals. I'm also free of any cognitive dissonance, which is always a good thing. I cannot imagine myself working for big tobacco. And I am engaged in dialogues and topics that matter, uh, be that energy, strategy, leadership, or talent transformation. Um, I'm happy with the answers I'm giving to questions. Is this meaningful to me? Am I impacting someone in a positive way? Will Mm -hmm. this project make me happy? So someone said to me many years ago that, you'll reach a point in your career when you'll be working for your eulogy rather than than resume. And I realized that he was right. Um, So I've been working in academia, research, engineering, consulting, and management consulting. Mm. But the last uh, decade or so, um, my career suffered an evolutionary adaptive transformation toward Mm strategy consulting, which is indeed a a broad field. But so my interest lies at the nexus of strategy, open innovation, and organizational design. Um, When we created Cognisium, that came as a result of asking some questions. How do companies, in particular Mm -hmm. SMEs, how do they innovate? How much access... Um, they have to open innovation, and I hope to talk a bit about that concept later, and yeah. how do they incorporate that within company strategy, what type of talent it takes to build a, an ambidextrous organization. So these are all the good questions, and I want to be part of that dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And and I guess the last comment uh, to uh, I, I would make to this uh, to this question is that you you hear lately um, you know some of the discourse today you think that the business community was dormant for two hundred years and we only opened our eyes recently and decided to transform because of of this technological explosion but that's not true business transformation took place hundreds of times in history at times actually more aggressive than others and more aggressive than today. So this is not something new. We're just answering um, different calls on the same theme. And I, I, I enjoy being part of that dialogue. Brilliant. Well, clearly you're, you're passionate about uh, business and you're passionate about learning and sort of bringing value uh, to people. And we want to tap into that uh, today. And, um, you know, we've had a, a year or so of, of pandemic where I think a lot of organizations have been gone almost thrown away their five-year strategic plans and perhaps even that word strategy is big gone. It's gone very tactical. You know, let's look at 90 days or 30 days. And um, But I think now there's a time to start to, I guess, think a bit more about being more strategic. And um, I just want to get your views on that, really, in, in the context of where we're at and, and how you view sort of strategy uh, within organizations right now and how you can sort of bring some insight into that? Yes, um, this is a great question uh, because I think um, strategy sits at in, in its various form at, at, at the core of everything what we do uh, as a business. So for many years, the average strategy or corporate development staff will engage once a year in a corporate-led strategic planning process. Note that I, I use the word strategic planning, not necessarily strategic thinking, which is indeed what one should be doing. But even today, people still use the, the five forces framework developed by, by, by Mr. Porter in the 90s, and they analyze these forces, they divide a strategy, but markets are not what they used to be. Um, the, the rents are derived um, differently. In the past, uh, the economists will tell you, the rents used to be derived from a sector or industry privileged position, right? They call it Ricardian rents. Uh, today, the rents are derived from, from Schumpeterian rents. Uh, so market... Our markets are amorphous and fluid. Some disappear, others emerge. Sometimes we can't even tell who the competitors are. And Porter assumed these factors are knowable and defined, but they are not, at least not anymore. Um, so let's not confuse risk with uncertainty. And I've seen many strategic plans in my work. Most of them are goals and objectives rather than strategy. Others don't come from thinking, but rather from planning. So in many work workplaces today, experts, we are living in challenging times. So experts um, are, uh, are, are not so forward in terms of challenging institutionalized thinking. They are happy to have a job in tough time. Um, so it become a question of leadership and culture. And to, that is to encourage courageous conversations about strategy in uncertain times, mm. experimentation, and so on. Um, so, for instance, the experts on demand can do that. Um, 
because in the competitive game, you need to 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 um, to have access to creative insights. You need to sense far into the ecosystem, not just in the immediate vicinity of your industry or or uh, or, or sector. You need to employ abductive. Thoreau, you're saying we shouldn't rely just what's our, I guess, what our talent is within our organization in terms of how we think right now. We should be pooling our resources externally. You're saying sort of get more expertise in from uh, other areas to really help us in that thinking. And as you're saying that more people are doing the planning, but they're not doing the thinking bit beforehand. And so is that what you're saying in terms of that start with the thinking? And I guess, how do we go about that? How do we sort of create that sort of thinking mindset, thinking culture, I guess, in, in an organization. Right. So, so it, it is. It is always uh, boiling to to what kind of leadership you have uh, in, in your business. So, um, probably this is a good time to to bring up uh, uh, w- w- what economists called uh, uh, and strategists open innovation. So. Um, as opposed to closed innovation. So if, if, if you are a company, uh, you are bounded by uh, uh, by your own firm boundaries. So you, you engage in some research, you look at the market, engage in some research projects, and then you get to a development stage. The funnel is, is actually narrowing in the development stage. You are still bounded by, by, by this not only market forces, but your capabilities within the company. And then you come up with something and go to the market. And when you go to the market, you go in a very narrow field and you started in a much wider field. So um, as opposed to open innovation, where you, you, you actually employ principles that will lead you to, to, to bring in um, experts from other areas, and then the funnel, uh, working with them, um, and I have a, a great example here, uh, working with them, uh, you can go to, to, to the market much, much wider. So in the, in the old innovation uh, paradigm, um, if you look at it, it was, well, let's profit from our R&D. We, might, we, we, we must discover it ourselves, develop it, and ship it ourselves. Well, the open innovation principle says, well, external R&D create, can create significant value. Internal R&D is also needed to, to claim that portion of the value. Um, in, in the closed innovation um, um, paradigm, we say we should control our intellectual property so that our competitors don't profit from our ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, in the open innovation, well, we should profit from others' ideas. We should use um, um, others' IPs and, and, and maybe buy into others' IPs whenever it advances our business model. In the closed innovation, if we discover it ourselves, we'll get it to the market first, which we know now it's there is not competitive advantage in in that. Whereas the open innovation said, well, we don't have to originate the research to profit from it. And when you look at Intel, for instance, Intel is a semiconductor company, right? In 2017, they acquired Mobileye, um, an, an Israeli autonomous vehicle technology company. I'm I'm also a proud Israeli from 
um, uh, as well as a, a proud Australian. But uh, before they acquired that, they worked for five years with Mobileye to, to develop technology, and they are not in the business of self-driving cars, right? So Intel innovated at its boundaries, right? What we call autonomous innovation, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 they are great um, proponents of of open innovation principle, which means that. You combine internal and external ideas, right, to get external parts into the market to advance the development of new technologies, right? Mm -hmm. And you can do this today via corporate venture capital, via talent on demand. This is what, you know, the subject of our discussion hopefully will be today. Um, and by incubator accelerator but also uh, by a, by a uh, talent on demand and and these people these these experts um they come with with an added benefit um they challenge your status quo they stretch your mm -hmm. worldview they bring new thinking insights and and possibilities then they force you to reassess that institutionalized thinking and dominant logic mm. to be more efficient and widen the funnel of going to the market and not being bound by 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 companies um, uh, uh, sort of boundaries yeah and, and I think companies are, are starting to do that and whether a company buys another partner company to create that sort of more of a tapping into other people's um, skills and, and abilities um, but if you're a company that because nobody's going to say they're into closed innovation or restricted their innovation because they perhaps don't even know that. Um, so how do you get a company that perhaps are like that? And I guess firstly is how do you make people aware that actually to, to be more agile, to be more competitive, you need to sort of create more of an open innovation approach. But then how do we um, take a company and a culture, because it's a cultural shift as well. It's not just about the... Um, Oh, we're going to make some decisions here. It's a cultural thing because it impacts every individual in the organization. How do we take a culture to shift more to that open innovation, which may feel a little bit um, unnervy to certain people with outsiders, so to speak, coming in um, and um, and perhaps a sense of who's in control of this and, and where's this information going? So how do we do that, sort of create that sort of culture of, of open innovation? Yeah, so I, I guess one of it is it is a matter of leadership. So everything to me comes in the end. Uh, the, there is a level zero ground that is called leadership. So uh, it is a matter of leadership explaining um, uh, to to the workforce that um, we have to accept some premises and you know. An important important premise is that we have to become a bit humbler, and we have to realize that it is a statistical reality that best ideas uh, may not necessarily lie inside the company but outside the company. And sometimes, because for instance we are an SME, uh, we need to compete asymmetrically. So we we if we are located in a region where Technological talent is is not available. That shouldn't be a problem. Mm. Um, you can you can engage with people in Berlin or Tel Aviv or um, uh, you, you name it Australia, and and um, 
you you get you get agility into the into the business. So, to me, uh, then you have to think as a leader in the company. Well, um, I have three tracks I need to go. One is people. The other one is process. The other one technology. Technology is probably the easiest one to explain to people because. You can say, well, we have these mounts of data. They do not create any competitive advantage. What creates competitive advantage is the manner in which we synthesize. First, we extract and then synthesize um, uh, so that we can take intelligent decisions ac- uh, across the business. And people mm-hmm. understand that. And then you say, well, we, we don't have that, that brain power. We don't have that implicit knowledge. Um, and therefore, you, you reach... You, you, you reach the stage where you have to talk about people and processes. So um, you have to say, well, in, in, in my view, in this company, we want to end up not just with, with uh, uh, doers, right? We want to end up with co-creators. Uh, so if there was a very, very old Charlie Chaplin movie, he was working on, was making some... Um, uh, I think fasteners or something, and he was always doing this and was coming home, was still doing that, right? Well, people don't in, in a company or in a business don't necessarily want to follow, they want to co-create. Therefore, uh, I see a cultural shift going on so that core employees become uh, a bit more strategic to the business. They become connectors, they become system thinkers, Rather than just analytical thinkers, uh, and they, they they become more effective. Um, and you they, you 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 can say to them, uh, you know, your value proposition as an employee is also changing. You um, you you can you know repackage work in in discrete parts so that uh, they can be delivered by expert um, uh, or by experts. Mm-hmm. Um, much more efficiently that we c- than we can deliver here, and that will free you for uh, for for doing uh, something more strategic uh, in the business and around the business and around the business. Remember, you have to sense well, like Intel with mobile eye, well outside your mm-hmm. sector or, or market in order to bring innovation. What they call in- inbound innovation to bring innovation from outside in create more IP, and then deliver maybe a, a, another competitive move. Um, and of course, with that, you need to have, you need to have processes and, you know, to amend policies and, and processes to support this, um, uh, this, this kind of, of strategic move. So um, in my mind, the leaders, the modern leaders of today, uh, they, they need to embrace the uh, ex- exploitation part, which they already do, uh, which is delivering short-term outcomes, as well mm-hmm. as the exploration part, which is the long-term strategic position of the business. Mm-hmm. And that is very difficult because if you are a listed company, you report every three months, especially if you are in the US, every six months if you are here in Australia, uh, you report to the market, so you are short-term horizon is is always uh, is is always hanging like a damocles sword uh, <laughs> but that shouldn't uh, 
and, and if it does, that's really bad for you as a business. That shouldn't prevent you to think at the long-term strategic positioning of the business and engage in those sometimes very difficult conversations mm. with your business, but explain to them that we're we changing everything. We're changing the way we see you and you see us. We will mm. see you as co-creators. We're not going to see you as followers. And mm. we have all these smart guys in Tel Aviv, Berlin, and, and Silicon Valley who are going to help us to, 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 to be greater than we are. Uh, and, and I think if, if, you, if you are good at doing that, creating that collective intelligence, uh, creating mm. that social capital, um, that, that, that will give you a head start. And I guess what we're, we're talking here about in terms of facilitating this sort of process is is this whole sort of concept of sort of the blended workforce, isn't it? Where you're you're bringing in more uh, expertise uh, who are not permanent, uh, the sort of more on a sort of a gig economy, you call it, and that sort of approach, more flexible. Um, how does I guess there's some challenges with that, and and I guess um, you know for me there's that. There can be a potential. Is there a higher cost to it? Um, can it upset other in, permanent employees who come in, um, who might get feel a bit put out? Um, how do we overcome those challenges, which I think are a, re, a reality? And we know this whole blended workforce is becoming more of a, a prominent thing in the last twelve months, um, and I think it's making companies um, flex and scale up better because they can sort of bring this added resourcing when they need it and they don't have to invest in sort of permanent initially until they start to build. But how do you overcome those challenges? Because I think they're, they're real challenges in terms of whether it's higher costs or whether it's trying to upset the permanent employees making sort of they're integrated into the organisation. Yes. Um, yes, they, 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 there are challenges um, and these challenges, I think, they were exacerbated by, by in the past 12 months at least by, by COVID. So um, ma ma many companies had to, um, to, to become, um, um, you know, to, to operate with a, a less ideal uh, workforce. Um, and because of that, they you know they you know many people lost their jobs and businesses also lost because um the, there is no slack in the business anymore to to innovate everyone is on a on a on a cost um uh, cutting sort of realm and, and feeling that uh, does does not help so many companies i think right now experience a disconnect between skills and capabilities that are necessary to just surviving and delivering now mm. and those necessary for uh, long long term positioning so um so what's happening is um you you then go and realize all right um some some of the some of the workforce that used to be with us is not available anymore because if you look at the people who lost their jobs uh, uh, over the, the the past year or so there uh, there are people who are who transitioned there are people who are displaced uh, there are people who are who are recalled 
um, and uh, you know they they got your jobs right. But uh, a large amount of people, and especially those in the thirty to um, yeah in the you know twenty eight to thirty five, and, and there is a study that shows that across all industry, uh, twenty eight to thirty five bracket, eighty um, percent of them transition to do other things or transitions to other companies and so on. And mm -hmm. then you you ask yourself, well, how do I deliver in the short, medium, and long term? And what I'm saying by that, to put some numbers, in the short term, within the next three months, uh, medium, up to uh, you know the next six months, and after beyond that. And then you realize there are you know, specialized um, tasks as well as general tasks that uh, you can easily find people for the short term. Um, for the medium term is more, as you're saying, more tactical in nature because it requires a bit more thinking and where you're going, um, mm. especially if you are involved with accelerators and, and talent on demand. And then in the long term is, is more strategic. So um, in, in, in the past, I mean, the past uh, 10, 15 years, you you used to have to rely on joint ventures, partnership and alliances, and people or businesses rely on that less and less because these mechanisms are, are very difficult to run and uh, not very cost-effective and very cumbersome to exit. Um, but others came into the market, innovation labs, corporate venture capital, talent on demand, and we, we mentioned incubators and accelerators. So in terms of talent on demand, you, you, you realize that that dialogue um, that um, you know, was always on the back of your mind, what am I going to, to, to say to the core workforce? That needs to take shape. And um, yeah, because I was, I was, that's the thing I was thinking about, because I think from a right. leadership point of view is I think they get it why they need to have this sort of talent on demand. There's some real, real benefits for it in terms of agility and speed to market and getting all that skills is then how do we maintain, you know, because employee engagement is really a thing at the moment in terms of maintaining employee engagement. And, and obviously at the moment it can be quite low and how do you, and I've, I've worked in a, in a blended context within organizations uh, where I've been the experts to come in and, you know, worked with teams uh, in various levels to facilitate some strategic intents. And and that some of those companies I've worked for have done it really well in terms of introducing me and how they've done that and, and my part to play and all that. So how do we maintain that, I suppose, engagement with the with the employees that they all welcome this blended workforce, other individual or team, um, and really embrace it uh, to yeah. uh, make yeah. the most of it? Well, I guess um, one thing that that you need to take into consideration when you have this dialogue is we want uh, we we're going to rely on this on this blended workforce, but in the same time, we have to put together a knowledge management system that is able to to harness some of that implicit knowledge that resides in the brains of 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 this. Um, uh, Outsiders, as they are called, um, and and harness that for institutional purposes. When when you do that, then it's not just the company that benefits; it's also your core workforce, 
because they would know um, how to do next time maybe the same thing. So uh, uh, a, a very simple example that, that I always give is just imagine you are a CFO and your company was always as an SME, but now is you know is booming and you want to to go to be listed on the stock exchange and you don't have that expertise, right? You don't have the I, IPO expertise, so you you go on and and get an expert from one of these platforms, someone who's been there, done that unquestionably well. Uh, so he comes in. It's not just doing the work for you, right? So he imparts knowledge. Uh, he imparts knowledge, and you as a company, if you are successful, uh, and this is one individual, right? But we talk about many, many others that can work mm -hmm. in other in other places in the company. If you are able to to capture that implicit knowledge for your institutionalized purpose, for your next mm -hmm. competitive move, then the employees will see the benefit in that. So, mm. uh, and and I have this conversation with 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 people who are full full time employees, and to my surprise, um, you would think that they will regard the the uh, the experts on demand as as outsiders, but that's not true. They they usually stay there six months or more. Uh, mm. Some of them remain on full time role and so on. The conversations are not. Are not difficult, but you have to show your core full-time employee that there is benefit for him because we are all humans. What's in it for me? What's in it yeah. for me? Of course, you, you you are loyal to your company or not, uh, but we are all humans. And when they see that uh, that benefit that will touch them in in a way that maybe they they didn't expect. Uh, that's that's an added benefit, and I think uh, you have a much easier conversation. And I think you've struck something really uh, important there. Is this is this learning piece? And I think apart from the the expert coming in and doing the job they're doing, actually by observing them, being around them, being involved with them, you're going to learn tons from this expert as well. And and that can be uh, for the future proofing of your business. Uh, I know when I've been in organisations. Other people have picked up on stuff I've done or um, a fresh pair of eyes. I've got no baggage of, of the company for the last sort of five, six years. So I'm, and I've also been in different contexts before. And so I can come in and say things and I don't have to get too worried about what people think and go, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? So it can give fresh think thinking as well. So it's trying to sell it as they're actually going to not only do a job, but they're going to create some real Absolutely. learning. So. Uh, we're, we're running out of time, unfortunately. It always whizzes by on this uh, show, Dorel. So it would be great for, for people to want to, to connect with you and know a bit more about yourself, but also a bit more about your company. So how can people do that? Well, they can connect with me via LinkedIn um, or they can uh, drop me an email at any time, dorel at cognisium.com. Um, and I, I welcome this these conversations, I think uh, we, we 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 touched on a, on, on a few issues that are of of real interest, uh, but there is obviously much much more to it, and I'm I'm always happy to to be part of that dialogue. Well, brilliant. Well, thank you for for coming on today and sharing your insights. Uh, it's much appreciated. Thank you very much. All the best. Bye bye. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe. 
do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.